Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week, we talk about superheroes, esports, and Nintendo announcements. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Geek. We are recording today is June 21st, which in the Northern Hemisphere is also known as the first day of summer, also known as the summer solstice, which many people who are geeks like us will know is the day when we commemorate that Aang fought Fire Lord Ozai. Yep. Should be a national holiday. (laughs) It really should. Like an international (laughs) holiday. Just the entire world on the day of the summer solstice. I mean, at least the Northern Hemisphere, because in the Southern Hemisphere, it's now the winter solstice, I guess. Um, or we could celebrate it twice a year, technically, just on the solstice days. Because on the winter solstice, he goes into the spirit world. Yeah. So we could just celebrate both solstices in, in honor just of Aang. Easy Avatar Day. <laughs> Avatar Day 1 and Avatar Day 2. There we yeah. go. How have you been, Kevin? What have you been up to? How is the uh, the camp? <laughs> yeah uh the camp um yeah uh, the good, camp, it, oh dear it, it, it's good that we got uh juneteenth off so had a little bit more time to recover uh this week so definitely enjoyed having a little bit more time but um this week we are going into smash bros and Ooh. not gonna lie smash bros is hella hard uh i do not come from a fighting game background so pretty much during the weekend, I I boot camped for a little bit with a guy who like plays a lot of Smash, and he's like, "You gotta try this. You gotta try doing this." And I'm like, "Okay." And so he was just kind of giving me pointers about like certain things to try and like other kind of hidden mechanics that they don't tell you about in the game. And he's like, "You should get pretty okay with this." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna learn this in like three days. So uh, as long as I get the lessons down and I have it in a lesson plan, we're all good." Um, and so we're watching some of the students. Some of the students are like really good. Like they've played for like a while. So I'm like, I can tell that they've played Smash and they they do like, you know, like short hopping, which is like where you jump and you hit a button immediately so that you're you enter an aerial, but it's faster. Um, mm. like spot dodging, blocking, ledge guarding, um, like knowing when to commit for a spike versus not um it's kind of crazy how like you know 11 to 14 year olds are like this cracked at smash but uh this is this is what we're what we're here for um but yeah uh yesterday we just kind of had him play for a little bit try to figure out the game um today we actually ran a bracket a double elimination bracket to kind of like for our sake as teachers and for their sake as students to like learn about the um what do you call it to learn about the format of like how how double elimination works and how quickly we could actually get games turned around 
Um, and then tomorrow we're going to be focusing more on the production side. So um, we'll do the same bracket again um, with slightly different like seating. So we'll see how even it gets. Um, but we'll have like commentators and casters ready um, and just do like a practice run. So that when Friday does roll around and we do the big tournament and everything is all coming together, um, it'll look really clean once we actually start getting to that point. So um, really looking forward to all of that and making sure that it, it works out as soon and as quickly as possible. So um, yeah, I think smash week is going to be pretty fun. Um, even though I'm, I may not be necessarily the best player. Um, at least the production side will, will look okay for it. It's also awkward that today, like we're teaching smash and I'm watching smash all week. And then my sister's like, let's go to, the fried chicken shop that my friend is running a tournament for and i'm like oh okay that's cool and so we go into this place and they're all playing melee and i'm like oh no bro <laughs> i just i left to not look at smash and now i'm here watching smash uh, you just can't escape i can't, can't escape, escape so ever. i just have to i just have to get good i guess now what controllers are your kids playing on during the week, are, you, are they playing on GameCube so, controllers? Or are they using Switch controllers? Because like they're using uh, like the double Joy-Con setup. Okay. Um, okay. If if a kid wants to, which we've had some students like start asking me about it, I told them like if you have a Pro controller and you want to play with it, bring it in. Like you can do that. I'm I'm totally allowing you guys to do whatever. Um, but when they're doing casuals, you know they'll they're totally fine with just doing the one Joy-Con, having fun with like the setup and whatever. Um, mm -hmm. but when we actually start getting into like games, they're like, okay, double Joy-Con or, um, or having your own pro controller to like make sure that everything works. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's huge. Um, so yeah, it also helps that like one of the students plays a lot and actually brought their switch with them. Um, because your boy is not going to spend another 12 hours trying to unlock more characters. So um, I brought my own switch that has all the characters unlocked already, but it was just a lot to like a lot to do. Uh, but yeah, that that's it for how my week's been going. How about your week? How's everything going on your end, Matt? My week has been okay. Um, I saw a couple of plays this weekend. I didn't I haven't seen any new movies. I haven't really done much. Um entertainment wise i've just been kind of playing god of war um so it's been pretty boring for me i'm mostly just waiting to get this week over with it's a short week because juneteenth was on monday as kevin mentioned and if for those of you who are um international or just yeah international don't know um what juneteenth is it's an american federal holiday which represents when the last slaves in america were freed during the period of the civil war um Back then, we didn't have the internet or reliably fast methods of communication, so they had to, like, spread the word manually through people on horses and letters and such. So the last um, slaves, I think, were freed in Texas because on, on 19th of June, um, was that 1865 it would be for the Civil War? Um, so, so the news finally traveled to um, whatever they were in Texas, and they were freed. So that's what we're celebrating on Juneteenth. Um so that's a short week for us because we had Juneteenth off, thankfully. I know my brother's work did not have Juneteenth off. But yeah, um, I'm just waiting till next Monday because then I am not working from that Monday till the next 
Wednesday because I took a vacation and it's going to be fantastic. Are you going somewhere or are you just like just taking a break? No, I'm just taking a break. I, I don't know. I might try to like visit a friend in San Diego very briefly, maybe for like a day. But I'm also like starting a class for just learning how to do my job better for social media marketing. So I have to be I don't know how intensive that's going to be. Um, it's only a five week class. And I think if you if I was doing this in person, I'd only have to go in person one day a week. Mm. So I'm thinking maybe it's not going to be too intensive. So I can just maybe get it done in a day and then have the rest of the time off to myself. So I'm not really planning on doing much. There's I'm just going to relax and not have to deal with nonsense at work. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the news of the week. Um, this is just a fun segue picking up for where we went last week. Um, Kevin, your your uh part of your advice last week was to return your library books if you'll remember correct that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, according return to the slab, <laughs> return the slab, suffer my curse, return your library book, or stare at the ceiling contemplating your life and your awful choices of not returning your library book. Um, but apparently, a uh the I can't even pronounce Multnomah County Library. Um, I don't know where that is, but the Multnomah County Library is in the news because someone returned a first edition copy of George Orwell's 1984 after several years of, of being overdue. Guess how many years this book is overdue, Kevin? My first edition, 1984? Yes, the first edition copy of George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984, has finally been <laughs> returned to the library from which it was borrowed. Okay, wait, wait. First edition of a book that old? Yes. Uh, that, <laughs> like, is it? It's still in one piece. It's still it. It's uh, from what I can see, it's in one piece. There's a little bit of water damage, but from what I've read, like the inside has maybe a couple of notes made onto it, but it's like in good condition. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh my my books aren't even in that good condition, and I take care of them. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know, probably like, I'll say 60 years. Like that, that sounds like a good amount for a book to be out. You are very, very close. It is 65 <laughs> years overdue. It was first checked out in 1958. <laughs> oh my God. So I just thought it was funny to point that out. Um, he returned it with the note. Um, I meant to return this book in 1958 when I was about to graduate from PSU, but somehow never got around to it. After rereading, I realized that m more than ever, this book should be put back into circulation. Significant parts are as relevant today as they were 65 years ago. The opening text on page 207, simply add the words internet and social media and you're reading about 2023. Sorry to be tardy. At age 86, I wanted to finally clear my conscience. So... 65 years overdue. Guess how much his library fine was, Kevin? <laughs> 65 years. Uh, <laughs> I I would not know. I, I wonder if it's like... It's like compounding, right? Like, that just keeps going up. It just keeps uh, going for... I, at least with most libraries I know of. They for just eternity. Keep, yeah, just keep cranking until you pay. Okay. Is it like 2K or something like that? He didn't have a fee. They just decided to. There's no fee. The library put on Facebook, find okay, a free good. library for the win. Conscience cleared, so he didn't have to pay anything. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but dude, like, I was like, 
this this guy just yo know, that like is that the play? Like if we have an overdue library book, we just hold it on for sixty years and then we're just like, oh my bad. I mean, if they're a very litigious library, they can like go after you with like taxes. And <laughs> They'll stuff hunt you fees, down because <laughs> it's a government institution. So yeah. you're, they can actually go after you. Um, I it, like if it, it's just thinking about it though. So like, there's 365 days in a year, right? Mm-hmm. So, 365 times 65 years, roughly. That's 23,725 days. Now, if you go on like if you're going based on like Calvin and Hobbes kind of logic where I know there's a comic book where the mom is like, okay, your library books ever do, but they'll just find you 10 cents a day. Just go pay it. Mm-hmm. So if we do that times 0.10, so 10 cents. Oh yeah, you're right. It's about $2,372 and 50 cents. <laughs> I think yeah, that, yeah, it's just a yeah. lot of money. That's still, that's a ton of money for, for an overdue library book. It's insane. Um, but moving on to actual news from this week, uh, Kevin, I think, I think we can agree that the biggest news of this week has probably been the Titanic stuff, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on, at least from what we've heard. So, for those of you who don't, aren't aware, there was a submersible that was going to take a bunch of very, very wealthy people down to go and and look at the wreckage of the Titanic, which is that ship. That Leonardo DiCaprio was on when he died and it collapsed because yeah. it hit the iceberg and he could have fit on the door. He really could have. They he really could have. Um, but anyway, so this this ship um, or this submersible went missing from I, I haven't been following it too closely, but it went missing. Um, and I think they only had a they had a couple days worth of air in there. They're starting to panic because I think by the time that. It's been a couple days already. They're trying to find them before they run out of air. But I think the latest news is they're they're hearing sounds at the bottom of the ocean, which is 2.5 miles down, which is a lot. Kevin, if you click that first link, it's it's an infographic that shows you just how deep 2.5 miles down the ocean floor is. Um, It's like significantly deeper than like the, the Eiffel Tower or the um that one giant building in Dubai, I can't remember what it's called. The the really tall one, the world's tallest building. It just it goes down forever. Two and a half miles is insane. So they've heard the, the rescue crews allegedly have heard sounds at the bottom of the ocean floor that might be this submersible. But even if it is them, there's no way that they can reach them in time. So it's not looking too great for the people still in there if they do manage to get rescued um one kind of morbidly funny thing is is that one of the uh, the billionaires on there in that sub his stepson has been just like tweeting nonstop about going to a uh, a blink 182 concert instead of being worried about his stepdad <laughs> it's kind of sad <laughs> but it's all it's absolutely hilarious at the same time i think that the the worst and stupidest have you seen what like the inside of this submersible thing looks like, Kevin? No. Click the click the second link. Okay. Quick. It, it's a video and it'll show you what it looks like inside. And it also it's it's why I think it's also particularly relevant to the the geeky topic. Wait. <laughs> okay. So this thing is about the size of a minivan. 
There's mm-hmm. no windows. It's you can't stand up in it. There's only one button. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but also like it's controlled with an off-brand PS3 controller. And when when Matt means off-brand, it's like it doesn't even have the PS logo on it. Like it is It's not even a Mad Cats. Yeah. Come on. It's... It's like one that you find at the thrift store. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's no way like people signed on to be in a be in a gl- windowless minivan. Not only signed on, like, Kevin, but paid $250,000. Like, what? Is this like a normal trip to you guys? Like, you're like, oh, I've seen everything in the world. Now I want to see the Titanic. And then, what the? Yeah, rich people are weird. I mean, what if like n- like name brand like official controllers get drift and get buggy and don't work all the time? Why <laughs> yes. are you trusting it to just this Walmart Target brand like bargain bin controller? That's you're you're entrusting your lives to this piece of machinery. I want like the highest quality thing, you know. Yeah, like at least get a dual shock. Like if again, this isn't even Mad Cats. Yeah, like, like I would trust my hands in 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 a dual shock. Like, like that's something I would do. But I mean, and you would think that if you know it had drift, it would at least go up. But I guess this one drifts a different direction. Uh, that's rather unfortunate. Oh boy, um. Moving on to some movie stuff. Um, going back to the Flash, I said in my review that the uh, the, the VFX in this movie were just m- left much to be desired. They were atrocious. They were very uncanny valley, very creepy looking. Apparently, if you listen to what the um, what the directors and all the, the the folks who made this movie say, it's supposed to be like that. Which is like, no, there's no <laughs> way. The VFX supervisor, John DJ Desjardins, was saying, I really don't want to say anything because, you know, Brian Hirota, who's the fellow VFX supervisor, um, and his team have been doing a lot of concept R&D to get a lot of these concepts and things nailed down really successfully, I might add. I think Brian can back me up on this. Some of the ideas are super, super strange and very intriguing because of that. No, it's not just no, it's not it's not intriguing. It just looks really bad. Um, Andy Muschietti said that the idea, of course, is we're in the perspective of the Flash. Everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being in Barry's POV. It was part of the design. So if it looks a little weird to you, that's what was intended. No, I refuse to buy it. I think that they just ran out of budget or were just really bad with their special effects. And now they're just using this as a crutch to say, oh, no, it's supposed to look like that. Yeah, no, you're not convincing me on that. It's like it's like if you're buying a used car from somebody, it's like, is it supposed to be making that sound? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to sound like. You're perfectly fine. (laughs) So I don't I don't buy it. On top of that, like the box office this week is not doing very well at all. Um the flash only made 70 million dollars which is way underperforming i think um elemental which is pixar's new one only made like 30 million dollars which is a huge underperformance it's the, the lowest opening pixar movie 
ever, I believe. Um, I think, and, and they made the good dinosaur, which by all accounts was terrible. Just a, <laughs> yeah. a, a shameless rip on the Lion King, which <laughs> did not look good at all. Um, I personally have no desire to see Elemental. I mean, if someone wants to go see it with me or like invites me out, I'll go. Um, I'll just otherwise wait till it's on Disney Plus. But yeah, it's been a very bad week for the American box office. Um, Flash Two script is apparently already written. It's it's been done. It's been worked on. Um, but they need to make a very good box office in order for it to be greenlit. Um, according to Des- David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, who's the the writer, he said that in order to make to in order for the Flash Two to get made, they have to make around what the Batman made, which is about seven hundred seventy million dollars. And with seventy million right now being made on opening weekend, it's not looking too good. That's like that's what one eleventh, one tenth ish, somewhere in between there of what you really you need to make. It's I don't think it's going to make that much. I mean, internationally, we'll see what it'll do. Um, maybe the Chinese box office will will help it, but it's not looking too good for the Flash. So, I mean, watch it if you want. Wait for it on DVD or to, until it goes on Max if you want. I, again, I stand by that I think it's a fine and entertaining movie. Not good. It, it's not worth hiring Ezra Miller and, and having them do all the crazy stuff. But, like, just know it's got really bad special effects. And otherwise, it's it's fine. It's fun. It's one of DC's better films. But it's it's nothing to, like, go crazy over. Um, speaking of movies, uh, Comic-Con is coming up, but it doesn't look like it's going to be as um, star-studded or event-filled as uh, previous iterations of Comic-Con. Um, Comic-Con is usually known for having very big activations around TV shows and movies. Like I know last year, House of the Dragon had some really big stuff with dragons um, for House of the Dragon. I said House of the Dragon. I'm I'm losing myself. But HBO had some big activations around House of the Dragon last year. I know Lord of the Rings had some panels and things. I don't know if they had like a... I can't remember if they had a physical activation, which is sad because I was working on the socials for that campaign. Um, but according to um, comicbook.com, Marvel's not having anything big come out with any presentations. They're going to be there. Just they're going to have a presence at Comic Con, but they're not going to have any like presentations. Universal is considering not showing up, doing any presentations. HBO might not do anything either. So it's looking very, um, very grim for the prospects of anything fun and big to happen at Comic Con. Um, this is interesting considering that we just we've been talking about how E3 can't really survive even though it was planning on coming back this year there's there's no one who wants to really do it so i wonder if this is is this because um the uh, these other industries are looking at what happened with e3 and just thinking oh we could probably do our own thing is it just because it's a sign of the times or they don't have anything that they want to put out there um i don't know it's it's interesting to see how these what used to be these huge tent poles and events of the entertainment industry are kind of dying. I wonder if these other studios are just going to have their own presentations. Like Nintendo has the Nintendo Direct and doesn't need to do anything anymore. PlayStation has the PlayStation Direct 
Um, yeah, Comic-Con is, is not looking as, as fun this year. I've never been to Comic-Con. Kind of wanted to go eventually, but uh, hopefully I can go before it dies. Okay, I think you have to wait until like a Marvel announcement happens and then pray that it shows up there. But yeah, I I feel like it could be part of like that whole E3 thing where like rather than having to rely on like rely on one spot for everything, every studio is deciding, hey, I have the like we have the press to do it. And then yeah. if you wanted to if you wanted to make your announcement like on something you can easily just go to a live stream platform and just say like hey we're doing we're doing x y and z through like a youtube video or if you want to do it like in person you could like set up an event or whatever but i just think that they have their own like workflow now um like they can just choose when they want to show things and when they want us to know things rather than having to be Rather than having to like rely on one place to go and having like like one, it's it's bad for the fans because like oh, absolutely now there's like no reason for us to go to this kind of event. Um if we know that like nothing is coming out or nothing's gonna be announced. So it takes away kind of that whole like I heard it here first. Like I was the I was the one here like when when this news dropped or so on and so forth, right? Um, right, right. But it it does make sense on paper, which sucks because I do feel like the fans are the ones who you want to obviously like be in the room with you when you're having fun and like when you make these big announcements, because I feel Mm -hmm. like that's half the draw. But being able to like taking that away kind of draws away some of the hype. Um, But also it's just like if they want to make their own timeline and they want us to like understand hey they're working on this this and this instead like that is up to the studio to announce and like not really up to us to to beg for it you know yeah on one hand like i I totally get it um it's probably a lot easier and a lot less pressure to put on your own event but i think it, it reduces the the hype around your announcement because it's just going to get overshadowed, I think, by other things that you your company is putting out. Whereas opposed to like if you had to focus on one big thing that you had to that you're you're potentially hoping is going to top whatever any of your other competitors are putting out. Like it, it's more effort. It's a more focused event. I think there's a lot more reason for fans to be hyped if they're in the room with you and they've seen some other other similar presentations from your competitors. It's it's that competition that keeps things fresh and keeps things entertaining, you know? It's like why um, competition exists in the first place. It's why regulations in government exist for competition, to keep it so that, like, the consumer is not kind of on the hook for whatever the monopolies are, are, are holding. I'm going political with this. I don't need to do that. But <laughs> like you said, Kevin, it's, it's a loss for us as the consumers when events like this die because there's no real pressure for these companies although they they want to put on the best show they can they're not competing with anybody they're just kind of keeping to their own standard yeah and i feel like this has to do with like it being post covid too where like 
during COVID, they had to do their own announcements, right? Yeah, but I yeah. feel like now, now that we're like, I wouldn't say done with it, but like we we've technically handled it. Um, I think that the better way of doing it is to once again like bring back the events because one, you bring hype around it, like people can like enjoy the event live again, and mm-hmm. that is half of the half of the joy of it. Um, and I feel like that is something that at least some of these big companies are really missing out on. It's just like not only the cloud, uh, the crowd interaction, but also having like hype when you announce something like that. Right. That energy um, of people in the yeah. room as opposed to like just typing in the chat box. Yeah. And then just kind of waiting for replies and, and whatever. So, yeah, I I don't know if the, this is the the change that is happening, but it just feels kind of it's kind of awkward. For us just kind of waiting here for, for something crazy to happen. Mm-hmm. So this next topic, Kevin, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people were excited about this. I didn't. Smosh is so Smosh is now owned again by the people who founded Smosh. I didn't watch Smosh too much growing up. So I I understand that they were a very big um player in the YouTube space, especially when YouTube was first coming up. It's an 18-year-old channel. Um but they were recently repurchased from uh, the good mythical morning folks, Rhett and Link, by the original founders of Smosh. Um, where are their names? Uh, Anthony Padilla. Anthony Padilla and, and Ian Hecox. Yeah. Damn, Anthony yep. Padilla and Ian Hecox. Um, Kevin, do you have more insight on this? <laughs> um, I didn't know that they purchased it back. <laughs> oh, okay. But well, I, I Kevin, knew that they, they were under... They purchased it back. Cool. Um. But they are, I knew that they were under Good Mythical Morning with Rhett and Link for a while. Um, but I have greatly enjoyed what Anthony Padilla has been putting out recently. Um, and I think that that success has really helped them to be able to financially buy Smosh back. Um, do I think that they're going to go back and do more stuff on, on Smosh? I don't know. Um, that kind of like era of like video is definitely like outdated now. Um, but I do think that like if Ian and Anthony want to do stuff again and like either it being short skits or um things that they want to do them do together, like it's really cool to see them kind of like reclaim a part of their technically like a reclaim a part of like YouTube history mm-hmm. um by just being able to get their channel back that way. Um but it is very interesting to know. Um and yeah, it's it's really cool, if anything. Yeah. So according to Variety, like Rhett and Link are still going to be involved with Smosh. They're minority stakeholders. So they're still going to be involved with, I don't know if it creatively or just on the business end. Um, according to uh, Anthony Padilla, he said that I really want to return to our roots. Uh, and part of that is owning the company so we could really take Smosh in any creative direction. Uh, a lot of people thought this was just this purchase was such a very positive thing because instead of the company being sold to just some investor group or some other media conglomerate, creators were able to sell it back to creators. Like the the people who created this mm-hmm. were able to eventually they sold it to um, was it Defy? Who was their initial partner? Yeah, Defy Media was was the ones who bought it initially. They went under, so Mythical bought the the Smosh brand, 
And then these creators who obviously have a passion for what they're doing are able to sell it back to the people who were passionate enough to make it in the first place. It's not going to people who are just looking this at this as an investment or not looking at this as, as money. It's going to people who actually care about what they're making. Yeah. And I, I really do think that this is, this is going to be a good change for Swatch um, as a channel. I mean, unfortunately I haven't been following some of their newer stuff, um, but I am like a huge fan of, Ian and Anthony uh since the beginning I'm, I was one of those kids who like watched YouTube when it first started up so mm -hmm. um for them being not only they're like northern california guys so it's it's really cool to like see some of the neighborhoods that like like my grandma lives in like northern california so when i came to visit i was like that's where they shot that video like i mean you're also they, you're also in shot northern that california here. They're like north northern a little bit more than me, so it, it's cool to just like drive by certain places and be like, oh yeah, they they shot that one there and like uh, so on and so forth. But it's it's cool to I'm I'm glad that they got their channel like creatively back, um, and I'm excited to see what they do now because obviously it's been a while, um, but I do think that they they're both very creative people, so I do think that they they can do something with that mm -hmm. so moving on to some esports things and then transitioning into your topics because you're into esports as well kevin considering that you are i think an e so caster <laughs> are, are you an esports i wonder i don't know i don't i don't remember what what year it is anymore <laughs> it might be something you should consider trying kevin i think uh, yeah really maybe oh cool <laughs> but um, how do you spell it <laughs> does it have um, a dash in it <laughs> Which which letters capital? Yeah, um, but apparently, um, disguised toast who is an esports owner and a streamer, I guess, um, is telling folks that esports is kind of seems to be dead in the water. Um, so he owns two different esports teams. He spent five hundred thousand dollars to found a Valorant team called DSG, mm -hmm. um, and he also purchased a North American Challengers League team for League of Legends. Um, which also did not do too well on top of just like not having a good record. They're making him like zero money and he is on track to spend a million dollars this year on these two uh, franchises alone. So that's not great, especially if you're not making at least anything to, to kind of offset that. Um, According to Disguised Toast, what he says is, if you look at any esports org in North America, all of them are either broke or going broke. And I do mean all of them. Some orgs will try to put a front and say, hey, we're still good. We look good. Everything's cool here. Trust me when I say everyone is losing a lot of money. A lot of people are being fired. No org is safe right now. Um, brands are scared of esports because they invested millions and millions into it, and they, are, and they never got any significant return. Um, I don't know if that's just because of the pandemic, but like we, we've talked about before, Kevin, that the, the we had a chance to kind of make esports into a community thing, but I don't think anyone ever really capitalized on it, which is weird because there is still so much money that's made on things like Fortnite or Valorant. But and, and again, this is taking what Disguised Toast says as the objective truth that there is like no money being made in this. Um, 
And I, honestly, I just haven't seen esports grow as much as I, I would have liked to see it. But what are you seeing on like your side of things? That because you're you're actually involved in the esports side as well. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Toast is very like in tune with a lot of this, and um, it uh, unfortunately his teams haven't been doing so good. But um, I do understand this kind of struggle because there is not a lot of stuff that you as a team owner can do in order to make money. Um, mm -hmm. And the, it's the only on like, one that I think... Oh, yeah, it's all, go for it's it. all based on like sponsorships, right? And, and winning and, and money from the competitions, right? Exactly. So it's based off of like results. And if you don't have like... If you don't have good results, you don't get, you don't get uh, good money, right? Like that's just how it works. So... I think that if anything, what we're going to be seeing moving forward um, is like this kind of shift in once again, like grassroots kind of settings. Like there might not be a crazy amounts of money behind it, but I feel like once again, Dota is like one of the forefronts of like the people who did it right. Um, they were like, it starts off with a little bit of money from the, from the actual company. And then everything mm -hmm. else is crowdfunded. So, like, if you have a big enough scene, then we could start spending more money on, like, a venue and then start building it up from there because, like, that's how it started. Um, But the the other, like, the other flip side of this is, like, Toast owns this org. The other one that's owned by, like, other content creators is Moist Moguls, uh, which mm -hmm. is another group that is owned by um, Moist Critical. I don't, I don't like that they and have Moist in their Ludwig. name. Yeah, I don't I don't like it either, but they they had to have the the Ludwig and the Charlie part um in it. So <laughs> that's just how it worked. Um I just think that like the the fact that like Ludwig is hyper like in tune with his like esports teams too. Like he's watching the games. Like he he doesn't even know what the games are doing 80% of the time, but like he's like a proud owner of of the team and he's like this is fun like he gets free content charlie gets free content and then they're essentially making their money back through viewers watching them watch their own team right <laughs> um it's it's kind of the same deal with what toast can do like it's you watching your team watching you <laughs> so um that that's the way how like at least Moist Vogels is done, and I don't think that they're making money either. Um, so I I feel like it's just it's really weird with like the state of like esports organizations and what they do, because organization wise, it's like yeah, you have a brand that's there to help you become the best that you can be, um, but as an investment, it's like they're putting down like thousands of dollars to try to win back thousands of dollars um and for the sake of entertainment so it's just it's tough i don't i don't know what i would i don't know what i would do if i was an esports organization like an esports owner like team owner um like it if you can't make money off of like the the actual sales of your of your team you might have to do like crazy merch sales or like partnerships and it's just I don't know. It, it just seems like a lot of stress um, overall. And I'm glad that Toast is willing to like break this down 
for us and say like yeah they're they're not making a lot of money um like you may think that this person and this person and this person are doing crazy like amounts of money but in reality like they're all struggling I mean, like you can see it, especially in the Overwatch League, which, like we mentioned before, that they this was supposed to be so big, but because of the pandemic, they couldn't. They never got their home stands to really take off when they had the most momentum. So, the Overwatch League, I think, has suffered ever since then to the point where now, like, we have a team officially is is exiting the league. The Chengdu Hunters officially have disbanded they are no longer going to be part of the overwatch league um the, the skins for their their team are no longer going to be sold in the overwatch shop um so the, <laughs> this is not good for overwatch i mean how long do you think overwatch league in general kevin has before it it collapses because there are folks who are saying that it's not going to collapse they're just going to restructure um no, in the discussion no that's online. what they said about pve <laughs> oh my god you saw what happened there um i honestly don't i give it till possibly the end of the year i think that they can have one more good push where it will where like everybody everybody doesn't want to admit it but i do feel like this is like the end of at least pro overwatch at this level mm -hmm. right um does that if, if anything i feel like the game is not going to die. I mean, I'm going to tell you that right now. Like, Overwatch is not going to die so easily. Um, if anything, I think that Overwatch will go back to its grassroots. We're going to start seeing more tournaments coming out from, like, companies that might just want to host a one-off, like an Asus, like, LAN or something like that, or, like, an event like that. Um, and then it will just bring more people in. And I feel like that is the way how it has to start again. It's like... Yeah, Overwatch has to... Overwatch may not have the Overwatch League where they're making a lot of money off of it, um, mm -hmm. but um, they can at least have, like, little events throughout the year, and that's kind of how CS has done it, where it's like, um, they'll have they'll have events throughout the year which are pretty cool, and a lot of people watch for, for the sake of, like, getting information and seeing the pro play, but at the end of the day, it's like, we don't have, like too much to really worry about because we know that at the end of at the end of it all like the the tournament is going to be done and we have seen what they can do and then we know that there's going to be another one like later down the line um the game itself will will just have to continue in its grassroots form and i feel like if as long as as long as people are going to be playing the game, there will be a scene for it. I mean, if you if you want to look at the most successful version of that, just look at Smash. Like, Smash, like, Melee. Like, that game is old, right? That it has no business, like... Melee was, is never going to die. Exactly. So, like, you would think that it's one of those games that just keeps going on forever and ever. Um, and... I would think so too. I think it, it's one of those games that's like competitive and people love to watch it and love to play it. So like, it's not going anywhere. And I feel like overwatch is kind of the same as long as they keep like genuinely, like as long as overwatch is willing to update every, every once in a while and not leave us on something like goats for six months, 
I'm pretty sure you'll have diehard fans who will just stay and still continue on uh, with the scene. I mean, if you another like Blizzard thing that they've done, you know, once again, it's like, what about Heroes of the Storm? That's still a thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think that that's that's the way how it's gonna go. I feel like um, a lot of teams are making money, um, but I do feel like the the esports side of things can still go on as long as there are passionate players. There will always be a tournament setting, and they will they will show that like this is still something that they are passionate about. I mean, teams wise, there might be at least a little bit of faith that they can keep it going for a little bit longer, maybe even more than to the end of the year, maybe even a season or two more, because like rather than just kind of let things happen as they're happening, the um the Las Vegas Eternal are retrialing their entire team. So they're starting from scratch at this point in the season. I we just hit the uh the midseason madness tournament, which I watched a little bit for the very first time and in so long, I've watched Overwatch League, um, but the uh, the Vegas Eternal are retrying all their players. They're trying to figure out what they can do to be successful for the rest of the year. And I mean, honestly, I think that if if there really was no future for the Overwatch League past the end of this season, I don't know if it would have been smart for them to bother doing this. But I think that them giving it a good shot and trying to actually remain competitive in the league shows that there's at least some faith that they can keep it going for at least a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, Overwatch is, is not doing too great in the league form. Um, it's maybe doing a little bit better in the just the, the game itself now that we're supposed to be getting the um, invasion stuff coming out soon. They did a uh, an announcement video today or just kind of walkthrough of everything that's coming, but... I mean, I wanted to be excited by it. On one hand, it might just have been that the the folks from the Overwatch team that they got on there, like um, Dion Rogers and Aaron Keller, are just not the most exciting people to listen to speak. But I think also the fact that like we know how how much Overwatch is struggling right now, I think that might have taken a lot of the excitement out for me. I think I have to be able to like finally get my hands on the PVE stuff for me to actually be excited by PVE again. I still play Overwatch almost every day because the Zomnix will just get on and, and noodle around. But it's been a while since I've been actually excited by the game. I like playing it, but it's just because I like playing with people. Not that the exactly. game is, is so exciting to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like, I I will play anything as long as I have friends who are willing to play with me, right? Um, right. It it doesn't matter what it is. It can be like the the shittiest game you could think of, and we will all like get on and we'll all play together. Um, I mean, even as a joke, like immediately after they said PVE was dropped, like my entire like team, my entire team from from Overwatch was like, "Hey, let's play Left for Dead. <laughs> like, let's let's play a real PVE." And I'm like, "Okay." And so we all logged in. We all played a PVE. We all had fun, and we're like, "Okay, cool." Uh, that is exactly what we wanted to do. We we were hilarious too because we used the Overwatch skins for the characters. So <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this is a PVE. Like this is this is fine. It's it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, we we had a great time. It's pretty much like esports is mainly there, and like I would say, 
gaming in general is there for the social connection it's not always about like having to win all the time and whatever it's it's about like you know unfortunately i i will use the anime trope but it is the power of friendship that that keeps things alive so i do think that that that's just a good way of like thinking about it and seeing if we could actually like like good friends keep games fun you know mm-hmm And that's it for me. Kevin, take us away with other esports and gaming things and anime, manga, weeby, weeby yeah. wonderful things. Okay, let's let's start with uh, a former Overwatch player. Let's talk about XQC. Uh, Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, not, not a great transition, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, XQC uh, announced that he will be signing uh, to Kick, uh, which is a new streaming platform. Um, for reportedly, which is not KIK, which we all remember from the early 2010s. Yeah, it's it's, it's not that one. It, it's a different one. Um, but reportedly, he was he was offered a hundred million to go ahead and switch to this platform, and he did it. So he he's gonna go and stream on this new platform. Um, he had a couple of people. He had a discussion about like his his move to this platform uh with some of the bigger twitch streamers and they were saying like it, it feels very like it feels very weird for for them to be offered something kind of of the same vein if they were to go with this company um just because like they don't believe in the way how like they make money um and it is from like cryptocurrency and like online gambling is kind of where like kicks founders like kind of make their money Hmm, so people are like it's just kind of it's kind of a weird like thing of like okay well you're the parent company makes money through through these means what does it mean about the people who stream on said platform as well like does that does that influence the way how you look at it um and yeah it's just uh it's interesting to think about uh in terms of that um and the way how they want to kind of present themselves that way um so yeah uh xqc got like science to this new platform we'll see if it follows like if it does become successful if it happens to be you know possibly a twitch replacement we'll see if people migrate but i don't know how well it could do especially even if like something like mixer didn't even do that well um how well will something like this platform do um kind of in the streaming market and how how people like carry themselves throughout here so i feel like that's another interesting thing to like keep in mind you know um but yeah that that is that is it for streaming news let's get into one of the bigger streams that happened today it was kind of flung on me i didn't even know that it was happening um but we had a nintendo direct this morning um i i woke up i looked at it like this announcement like the night before and it was like nintendo direct 7 a.m our time and i'm like mm, yeah well, no a surprise <laughs> i'm not gonna be awake for that well i was awake for it but like i'm not gonna be able to watch it so uh what i did instead uh right before lunch i was like okay campers stop the tournament we're gonna watch the nintendo direct everybody just enjoy what what nintendo is gonna give us um so we sat down and we all watched the Nintendo Direct. I was watching completely blind, so I didn't know what was going on. Um, some of the campers kind of like watched it like while they ate breakfast. Um, I don't be doing that. So I was just like, 
let's just enjoy whatever they give us here. So uh, we got a quick look. The first thing that they opened with is uh, the brand new uh, Scarlet and Violet DLC um, and kind of what they're giving us in terms of uh, like timeline and new Pokemon and whatever. Um, So if you want to check that out, Scarlet and Violet DLC is going to be coming out in the fall and the winter of 2023. So keep your eyes peeled for those new expansions. I still need to beat the base game. Very lazy. Not going to lie. Okay, cool. Uh, What else is there? Uh, Sonic Superstars. So um, they're remaking some of the... Or not remaking, but more of like... They are making a new game for Sonic. um, And it looks a lot like the older games. Where it was like 2D platformer. um, You know, really fast movement. Um, but you can play as not only Sonic, you can play as Tails, you can play as uh, Knuckles and Amy are all available um, in this game. So if you like running around and gathering Chaos Emeralds, uh, Sonic Superstars is the way to go. Um, what if we moving just on to causing chaos? Does that count? Yeah, that that, that works too. That, no, that's called Spider-Man. Uh, that's, just kidding. No, um, that that's my Spider-Man. Um <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from from Sonic, uh, we'll we'll be moving on into another Persona Five spinoff because they don't they they're like, if Persona Five is a cool property, we're gonna throw it and make it anything. So, um, Persona Five Tactics, it's a uh, it's a tile strategy game, kind of like XCOM in the Mario Rabbids games. Um, but you get to play as Persona Five characters, yay! Um, it also has really cool chibi art. I mean, I, I'm a fan of it. When I first saw it, I thought that they were going to do another Persona Q, which is like um, the chibi version of like the main of the third and fourth Persona put together where they kind of like interact at school and still have the same dungeon mechanics. Um, but no, it's going to be Persona 5 Tactics. So um, if you guys want to play like an XCOM kind of tile strategy game, uh persona 5 tactics is going to be the way to go um on top of that in the middle of the preview we happen to get a glimpse of pikmin 4 um if you guys like to play pikmin uh we we got like this dog that could carry your pikmin around uh there's new glow pikmin that that's a new thing um and overall just just good old pikmin fun if you guys are interested in that um We'll keep we'll keep you in the loop of anything else that comes out uh, in terms of Pikmin, but I think it was also slated for fall um, of 2023. Um, cool. Now we get to some of the weird ones that I wanted to cover. Um, let's talk about Headbanger Rhythm Royale. Um, you're like this pigeon, uh, and you wiggle. Um, it is a rhythm game battle royale, which I was like, rhythm that game battle royale. Interesting. Let's put it together. You're also a very like squishy and weird looking pigeon. Um, that that is also a part of the game gameplay. So I was excited to see how that played out. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> Didn't think that it was gonna be one that was in my like to buy list, but that is one that looks fun and looks really. I wouldn't say really stupid, but it just looks like a lot of fun. Um, so I'll definitely give it a try. Um, yeah, so uh, that's that. Now, this this one may be hit or miss, depending on if you played... Did you play Mario... Or did you play WarioWare Smooth Moves for the Wii? I have it. I own it. I, I bought a copy okay. after... Because after um the one for the, the Switch, which was terrible. 
Right? Yeah. I wanted no, like, a good WarioWare game, so I went and I bought a copy of the WarioWare Smooth Moves. Smooth Moves, and like that one was fun, right? Like you're you're yeah, forced to do really one. you're forced to do really stupid like poses in order yeah, to Warrior have fun Touched and play the game, good. right? WarioWare Smooth Moves yeah. was, was good. WarioWare for the All right. Switch is not good. Yeah. That WarioWare for the Switch is not good. They announced a new one. And this one is WarioWare Move It. So it's very much in the same style as Smooth Moves, where even in the previews, they were showing that you have to use dual Joy-Cons and do really weird things. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm 100% on board. This is the WarioWare game that we were looking for. Um, and if you want to check that out, once again, it's WarioWare, Smooth, or WarioWare Move It. Um, I believe that's supposed to come out on Halloween this year. Um, but it's like it's one of those games where you say you see it and if you see anybody playing it, you know that they're gonna look like an idiot, but that is part of the mini games. Um so yeah. Um that that's the WarioWare smooth moves uh update one that we're getting for the Switch. So uh yeah. WarioWare's move it. Go go check it out. Um Moving on into Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, we get a new map. Um it, it's like uh it's like soap themed. It's like you're in a you're in a bathroom, like a bathtub, and you get to race around inside of there. There's like soap and, and stuff all over the place. Um the thing that really got me excited though is that they have announced even more drivers to join Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, um, including Camex. Camex is coming back, uh Wiggler. Um, and the Piranha Plant from Double Dash have all been announced to join the roster again uh, for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So, um, yeah, if, if you want to play different different drivers, feel free to pick that up. But I feel like it's going to be kind of weird if you're the Wiggler in the Wiggler with, with like, slick tires. Because you know that that's going to be absolutely hilarious to see uh, on, the, on the racetrack. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, new DLC is coming out. Uh, we'll be keeping you guys updated if I happen to play it. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, this announcement, this main thing of the Direct was really focused towards Mario fans. And I think that they, I wouldn't say they did it on purpose, but I do think that the success of the Mario movie may have spurred something like this. Um the reason why is that there was a there was a lot of Mario games being announced. Um, not only another Mario Rabbids thing, we're we're not even gonna touch on, on that. Um they got Mario RP, uh Mario RPG back, which is a remake of a game that was for the SNES. Um so you get to do turn-based uh fighting games or turn-based strategy games, kind of like um like a Final Fantasy-esque game. Uh, but with Mario and Friends, um, and it's remastered for the Switch, so Mario RPG is going to be one. Um, there's a new Peach solo game um, where Peach is the main character, and they have to collect stuff on a stage. Um, they literally gave us like 30 seconds of a trailer and just expected us to be okay with that. Um, but Peach is the main character of that game, um, and they're like supposed to go around on these stages and collect uh, certain items to continue on forward. Um, on top of that, there's going to be a remaster for Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, um, which I believe was for the 3DS. Um, so that's going to be ported out to the Switch. Um, 
And last but not least, the thing that they actually ended the direct on was Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, this is a return to the classic Super Mario Bros. side scroller adventure kind of game. Um, if you want to take a look at it, there are a couple of interesting power ups, um, including one that makes you really long. Um, I, I don't know why they did it. They have the one where, where you turn Mario into an elephant. I don't know why. Um, but that's where that meme's coming from. If you watch the direct, you'll understand. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a new Super Mario Bros. Uh, like side scroller game. Um, it's going to be called Super Mario Bros. Wonder. We don't know when it's coming out, but they have given us a little bit of the gameplay trailer. Um, there's four player local co op. Um, if you guys want to play together, um, so yeah, just a lot of really cool things. Uh, coming out for the Mario franchise. Um, all right, so um, let's move on from Nintendo stuff. Let's get into the let's get into the weeb talk. Let's let's talk about my stuff. Uh, switching hats real quick. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, we have to talk about the event. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, there's going to be an event called Nintendo Live in uh twenty 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 three. I I don't know what year it is. Nintendo <laughs> Live twenty twenty three. It's going to be in Seattle, Washington, uh, this year. So if you guys happen to be in the area. Um, feel free to do so. Feel free to check it out. Um, it is a free event, but you do have to register via raffle. Um, you can go ahead and do that on their website. I believe it opens June 22nd. It's going to run until I think the middle of um, it's middle of July or something like that. Um, they'll do the raffles during August. And then the event is at the very beginning of September. It's September 1st through the 4th. Um, but there are going to be championships for uh, qualifying rounds for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, and also the Splatoon 3 championships will be there as well. So um, it's just kind of like a like a live event, like a really cool little LAN event hosted by Nintendo um, to show off some of their events. Um, they're also going to have a couple of Smash events there too. So if you play Smash, feel free to go in. Um but yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing how this plays out. If there is going to be a live stream on Twitch, um, definitely check that out. Um, most likely it's going to YouTube because it's probably better for international audiences. So um, we'll see how that goes. And uh, if we happen to get tickets, I don't know. Uh, Seattle's kind of cool. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we go to Nintendo Live 2023. So um, I'll be I'll be keeping my eye out for like the events and. Stuff and if there's any other updates, I'll let you guys know. All right, now putting down the Mario hat, putting on the Weeb hat. Here we go. First thing that we have to mention, we are getting close to the end of the month of June, which is important because the end of June means that we are getting towards the end of the spring season. Um, so at least for me, I haven't been watching a lot. I've been super busy. Um, but I'm ready to binge a ton of shows, including Demon Slayer, which just wrapped up season three. Um, we have Oshinoko, um, Vinland Saga, and Dr. Stone. Um, those are just a couple of things that are on my short list to watch. But I also have like Marshall and a whole bunch of other shows that I do want to watch. Um, so all of that is on the list of things to watch and uh, to keep in mind. Um, so um, I know that the anime season is ending. I will catch up and then I will give you guys my review, possibly in a manga rec section. Um, I'll make it a lot easier for me to kind of dissect what to watch and what to focus in on. Um, speaking of the end of the season, uh, now that we're slowly approaching it, 
Uh, Crunchyroll starts announcing some of the shows that they're going to have for next season. Um, so moving into the summer season, Crunchyroll has secured down uh, the rights for Mushoku Tensei season three. Um, if you guys want to see what an isekai looks like done correctly, Mushoku Tensei is actually a really good one. Um, yes, the character is kind of a kind of like a, 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 a how could I say it? He's an old guy in a in a in a kid's body, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. But uh, he's uh he's very wise for obviously his age, um, and his past life does mess with his current life. Um, there's there are moments where you see the vulnerability of the character, um, through events that happened to them in their previous life that affect them now, um, which is kind of an interesting concept for for a uh for an isekai, um. But yeah, Mushoku Tensei Season 3, Horimiya Missing Pieces. In other words, Horimiya, but with all the stuff that they cut out for the sake of plot. Um, the Missing Pieces are supposed to be like kind of the show where it catches you up on some of the side events that happen throughout Horimiya. Um, Horimiya itself as a manga is done. It's got 16 volumes. Um, your boy has all 16 volumes on the shelf. And I was like, while I was watching Horimiya, I was like, this is very dramatic for what the show really is. And then like, they're like, oh yeah, here's an here's another show where we just go over the little like day to day things that didn't matter to the plot, and I'm like, that's what I want to watch. I just want to watch that stuff. So excited to go ahead and see what missing pieces covers, and I hope that they cover some of the more funny, more light hearted chapters. Um, so that is another thing to keep in mind. Uh, last but not least on the short list, they really haven't released too much yet. Um, is Rent a Girlfriend season three? Um. If you guys are interested in watching that, feel free to go ahead and continue on forward. I'm not going. I'm not going to judge you. Just go ahead and watch it. Um, I'm assuming this is just, just me. I'm hoping that Crunchyroll does get the rights to um, Dungeon Meshi or Delicious in Dungeon. Um, I think that that one's supposed to be on the horizon. If not, at least getting it's getting a lot of traction now that we're slowly approaching AX as well. Um, which is Anime Expo, if you guys don't know, that's happening on the July 4th weekend um, in L.A. So uh, if you guys happen to be in the area, make sure to go ahead and get it. Um, I heard Shaq is going to DJ at the rave. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Feel, feel free to meet DJ Diesel. Uh, tell him Kanashi sent you. He won't know who the hell that is, but uh, it would be pretty cool. Are we talking um, about but, Shaq all right. Shaquille O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal, yes. The oh, he, the he's got he's a, a DJ. restaurant. Yes, in Vegas. He has he has one by me. Oh, oh yeah, uh, big, big chicken. chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got one right by me. Their sides are better than their chicken sandwiches, I think, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited to kind of hear what comes out of AX. I'm not going to be there in person because uh, I got to save. But uh, yeah, that that is going to be. Another interesting thing to keep in mind and to keep your eyes peeled for. So uh, definitely looking forward to what um, what that entails and what we're going to get out of it. So, um, yeah, overall, uh, summer is approaching. We should be having more shows joining the list pretty soon. And we're looking forward to whatever shows happen to make that list. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let's move on into the, the manga recommendation of the week. Um we're going to talk about Goodbye Airy. Uh, this is Toski Fujimoto, which is the same guy who made Chainsaw Man. Um, Goodbye Airy is set to drop on the 27th physically. Um, if you are 
Nero Barnes and Nobles, check Barnes and Nobles. They might have it on the shelf already. I got mine two weeks in advance because two weeks, uh, two whole weeks in advance because uh, Barnes and Nobles does not know what it means by due date. And they Literally just chuck it up on the other industry would be insane over a two week break in, in street date. Yeah, exactly. Like you would think that Barnes and Nobles would get like a fine or something, but nope. I walked into the store, I saw it, I purchased it, and I walked out of the store with it. So, um, I read it. Uh, it was also available online for a while. Um, that really talks that pretty much like everybody got to see it, and this was kind of like a break, um, between Chainsaw Man season one and season two. Um, not in terms of the anime, by the way, in terms of the manga. Um, Tatsuki Fujimoto wrote 11 volumes of Chainsaw Man and then said like, okay, I'm done with this. And he thought he was done. Um, he was not. He he uh, he continued to write more. Um, but essentially he took like this kind of like, I think it was a year or two break. And in this time, he wrote this one shot called Goodbye, Airy. Um it follows around a guy who in middle school was tasked with filming his mother's like terminal illness. And yeah. he was the, the mom said, Oh, like in, in your video, I want you to film me as much as possible. This is the reason why we got you this camera. Um, and you watch the, you, you read the whole thing and you think, Oh, it's just like another documentary kind of thing. It's really interesting the way how, Fujimoto breaks up some of these scenes. Um, a lot of the pages are done in four panels, which you would think that it would be kind of set up in the Japanese comedy style of Forkoma, but it really isn't. It's just us viewing the viewing the story through the lens of the camera. And when you know that it's in that four panels, it instinctually pushes this idea of it being cell phone footage into your brain. Um, and I really like that about about this whole thing. Um, I'm not going to spoil how it ends. It's it's a really good uh, story, and it really encompasses the style of Tatsuki Fujimoto. Um, the best way how I could describe it without any spoilers, um, Fujimoto is just very good at just like breaking, like just tortured characters, movie references, and twisted motives. Those are the good things that he's really good at writing. So, um. I would say if if you like movies, watch Goodbye Airy. Um, if you, if you like Chainsaw Man, go ahead and get it as well. Um, very solid thing overall. Um, so yeah, uh, would would recommend reading Goodbye Airy. It is a, a it is a one shot, and I believe it's like two hundred pages. It's really quick. Um, I read it in yeah, I read it in one night, and I was like that well. Yeah, I read it in one night and I like when I finished it, I was like, damn, that was a book. And then I like laid in bed for an hour and I was like, this is this is what like a movie like me being a like from film school, too. It's just like I understand why it's shot this way or like it's displayed this way. And I really enjoyed the the story of what it what it was. Right. Um, and it may seem kind of odd if you're just going into Tatsuki Fujimoto stuff with like no like no heads up, but the more you look into it, the more you'll enjoy it. Um So yeah, um that is my recommendation. Goodbye, Ari. 
Totsuki Fujimoto, go and get it uh, at your local Barnes and Nobles, or you could be smart and wait until the uh, the official release date, which is the twenty seventh. Um, that's going to be next week. Um, we'll be going into manga releases right now. So, um, releases for this week is Alice in Borderland six, uh, Free Aaron eight, and Go Go Loser Ranger five. Um, went over kind of the reviews for all of those. Uh, I did pick up all of them except for loser ranger which i'm going to go and pick up um at the end of the week it's kind of like a treat for myself um next week the 27th is supposed to be goodbye airy um blue lock 7 and shangri-la frontier 6 um so if you guys are keeping up with those uh those specific books feel free to go ahead and pick them up while you can um would recommend if you if you guys are re- or have watched blue lock read blue lock um, it's way more intense in the manga just because they could get away with a lot more, I guess, more serious tones in, in the manga. Uh, plus the art is, is brilliant. Um, and Shangri-La Frontier, um, is another really great little, it, it's not an isekai. It is a, uh, video game enthusiast, um, kind of, kind of dream story. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, would recommend it if you guys play any form of video games. Um, but yeah, that is it for the manga releases. Once again, this week is Alice in Borderland 6, Free Iron 8, and Loser Ranger 5. Next week will be uh Goodbye Airy, Blue Lock 7, and Shangri-La Frontier 6. Um another heads up, we we will go over this like as after next week. Um another really big day to keep in mind if you guys are keeping up with your manga releases is going to be uh it's not a pun, but 7-Eleven. Um, <laughs> so on 7-Eleven, you're going to want to not only grab your your uh, five-gallon jug to go fill it up with slushies, you also want to grab your Kino memberships, grab your Barnes & Noble's memberships, grab your book bags, and head out to your local manga shop because there are going to be good stuff uh, hitting the shelves on the 11th. So I'll make sure to keep you guys in the loop as we slowly approach that date. Um, but other than that, that is it for the manga releases. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's all I got for this week. Cool. Cool. Um, and before we end off, Kevin, do you have any, any advice that you have this week that'll somehow turn into a story about someone returning something 65 years later next week? Uh, let's see if I could tell the future. Uh, no, not going to happen. <laughs> um, there is a, uh, manga movie or not a manga movie. That's called an anime. Um, <laughs> there's an anime film that is currently out on Crunchyroll that I'm really interested in watching. I think they only have it on dub on Crunchyroll. So I'll look elsewhere for sub. Um, but it's called, um, seeing a bit of harmony. I think that's the title of it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to go ahead and see that it's going to come out. It came out in 2021. Um so I'm just I'm excited to see see a musical anime. Uh if it is exactly what it's pitched to be. So um I'll take a look at that and I might give you guys a review next week. Cool. Well, thanks guys for tuning in with us. Happy start of summer if you're in the northern hemisphere and we will catch you next week as always. Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. 
You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D. And feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.